Hello and welcome to On The Couch with Steve, a podcast where we help you navigate the often complex world of buying and selling real estate. Obviously, I'm Steve Athanades. I'm the owner of NG Real Estate here in Ipswich. We've got a very familiar guest with us. We've got Steve Beach from Stanford Financial. And for today's podcast, what we wanted to do was something really topical and hopefully something that will help you out. Uh, And it's really about how you get financially fit, all right? And that fitness relates to your ability to be able to finance or refinance in today's current climate. Uh, Everyone's talking about uh, the cost of living, Steve, so obviously everyone's looking at how they can potentially either save money, uh, either renegotiate loans to obviously try and eliminate some of the pressure. So first and foremost, welcome. Thank you very much. Good Glad to, to be you. back. <laughs> yeah, good to see you, mate. Now, so when we're talking about financially fit, let's start off there. Let's explain to our viewers what does it mean to be financially fit in order to be able to either get a loan yep. or refinance an existing loan that you have. What sort of things can people be doing? I guess um, what what we're seeing in, in, in today's market and environment is is a similar sort of question that a lot of people ask us is um, when is a good time to actually reach out to a broker or to your bank to, to find out you know what steps do I need to take to be able to get a home loan or refinance their home loans and, and everything along those lines so um, a big thing that I guess financially fit is is uh, identifying your expenditure. So like we sort of said, cost of living, um, as we're all probably feeling the pinch, particularly with fuel prices uh, and fuel excesses that are coming out in, in effect, um, like Uber and, and bits and pieces are now charging a little bit more because there's a fuel subsidy on there. Um, I guess curving some of that expenditure. So one thing that that brokers and banks will look at is is essentially your bank statements and your and your consumer spending. So um, I guess there is a, a calculation um, which was designed by the University of Melbourne, which is called the Household Expenditure Measure, um, which is what the banks utilise to predetermine how much money you earn, what your living circumstances are, um, and how much I guess your defined living expenses or cost of living is. So let's get this straight. The banks are physically going to take your bank statements or ask for them, and they're going to check what you're spending on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and effectively what it costs you to live. Definitely, definitely. So not every bank requires all your bank statements, but as as a brokerage, um, we do need to see all your salary credits and, and your, your living expenses. So we allocate and, and go through. And a lot of time it's uh, a situation where we... we, we get your income and, and expenses. So you tell us, yep, this is how much money I spend. We then get your bank statements. We go, oh, there's a slight mismatch here. You know, um, what was this expense? What was this expense? What was this expense? Because we can only get a snapshot, generally speaking, over three or six months. So yep. um, there are, what we are talking about just before was there are, I guess, um, annual expenses as well that can come up like insurance and rego um, as where sometimes with some of the banks they'll just look at it as a as a you know thousand dollar fee for for your your insurance uh, and they'll allocate it over three months so they're only dividing it by three to work out your living expenses. instead of 12 instead of the 12 months so yeah. I guess coming and talking to, to somebody like like myself as a broker um, we can go through and and actually allocate that as a 12 month expense rather than a one month or a three month or a six month expense um, which is essentially uh, working out I guess, increasing your maximum borrowing capabilities. All right, so let's get this straight. So obviously, for everyone to wake up and and survive, we've got some basic costs. We all need somewhere to live, whether we're currently living in a property where we're paying a mortgage, we're renting a property, okay, but we've got a cost of housing. Uh, We've all got to eat. Uh, Some of us like to drink. 
some more than others. No judgment <laughs> here any for anyone, but uh, but at the end of the day, we've all got those expenses. Now, some people smoke, some people gamble. You know, we've all got these different things that we like to do. When when we're going for a loan, what sort of expenses do banks not like? Oh, I guess the the, the main ones is, is probably gambling is the biggest flag from from a uh, from a bank's perspective. Um, because there's, uh, there's an addiction can come with gambling or there's an addiction that can come with, with smoking or, or, or more so alcohol. Um, yeah, smoking can be hidden because you can buy smokes from Woolies and, and so forth, but uh, alcohol definitely clearly states from BWS or Dan Murphy's or, or Liquor Mart or something. So they, they actually look at how much money you spend on alcohol? Oh, de- definitely, because they're all individually allocated. So like you said before, there's the household expenses. So that's just your, your rent or just um, you know electricity city and bits and pieces but then we look at insurance um, health um, we look at you know sort of food and then we start rolling into discretionary so there's always an entertainment element there or aspects so that's eating out that's your uber eats and and so forth Um, to a degree some banks utilize uh, gambling as entertainment some banks will go no there's an entertainment expense and then above that is gambling so they put that on top of whatever the defined expenses are so that's sort of um, more that discretionary expenditure rather than your base cost of living. All right, so we've all got those base costs that we need to factor in. So if we were going to get a loan and apply for a loan initially, or if we needed to refinance, in this vein of getting financially fit, let's say, for example, we you know you did like to have a drink or you do gamble, what should you be doing in, say, that sort of period three to six months prior to applying for a loan or looking to refinance? What what could people be doing with those discretionary expenses? I guess, um, hard to say, but ultimately the main thing is probably you're starting to reduce those um, to basically get ready. And, and it's not saying to people, hey, you're not allowed to smoke, you're not allowed to drink, you're not allowed to do anything. It's what we're saying is, is um, you may be paying, you know, $500 a week in rent, but now you want an $800 a week mortgage. So we've got to find an extra $300 worth of surplus income. Now that can quite easily come from discretionary expenditure, um, or some people actually have a, an income threshold that's high enough that can still allow for, for those expenses. So um, like there's no way we're saying, you know, you're not allowed to do those things, but sometimes in, in moderation or, or just reducing to get that financially fit. Um, the other thing that we see a lot of people doing and at the moment is, again, I think we brought this up uh, a few months ago, was um, debt consolidation. So whereas uh, we recently did finance for a gentleman um, who had a, a okay size deposit, but what the issue was, he had two credit cards, a personal loan and a car loan. So all of a sudden, once we allocated all those expenses, it was over $1,500 a month. Now we did a personal loan, consolidated it all together, and now that expense is now only was seven hundred and twenty-three dollars a month. So all of a sudden he's now you know over seventeen seven hundred and fifty dollars better off per, per month, month um, which is just pure borrowing capacity because and now he's not making those expenditures. So similar to reducing expenses, we can also reduce I guess financial commitments. Okay, so let's get this straight. So. Even though this gentleman had a large deposit and many first homeowners today, to their credit, um, it's not uncommon that we see people uh, who are re- relatively young who can have deposits anywhere between 50, 100, and sometimes more than $100,000. So they've saved really aggressively. So they've got a good size deposit, and sometimes they may even have up to 20% of a deposit required to buy a house. But the bank's also looking at serviceability. That's so yes, you've, you've saved a big chunk of money, and that's awesome, but they're also looking at 
How are you going to service the debt? How are you going to make the repayments? And as part of that, they're looking at every single thing that you do in your life. And a big thing as well is, is um, when we do get some people with fairly large deposits and have some debts, they generally, first thing everyone goes, oh, I'm going to use my deposit and I'll, I'll pay out the debts because that'll look a lot better to the bank. Not necessarily because in the, in the same hand, if you did have the 20% deposit plus state fees and charges, all of a sudden you're now not paying lender's mortgage insurance, you're going to get a better interest rate. Um, so it might be actually financially better off keeping the deposit put towards the home than it is to actually pay out the debts. Um, so because all of a sudden you pay out your debts, you're now at 85%. Now you're paying seven or $8,000 in lender's mortgage insurance and your interest rate goes up half a percent. Um, you know, it, it may be more mm. cost effective to keep the car loan and the personal loan if you can afford it. So I guess the moral of the story is talk to your preferred financial advisor. So if that's a mortgage broker like Steve or a bank, uh, but you need to get some advice about what's going to be best for your circumstance because at the end of the day, as Steve's rightly saying, sometimes it's better to keep to keep the cash uh, depending on your circumstance because it may get you out of lenders, mortgage insurance yeah, and things like that. It may save you an initial $10,000 up front versus you know, by keeping the loan or, or doing a consolidation of loans, you might pay $8,000 in interest over the next five years versus $10,000 up front on your home. So, um, And again, with, with, with refinancing of mortgages, um, there are a lot more streamlined processes that are available with most of the major banks opening up what they call as a, a simple switch mortgage solution. So um, whereas if you've come off your fixed rate into a higher repayment, so in a higher interest rate, so you know it might be at 6.5%, um, you can refinance to another bank um, if the interest rate is lower and the repayments are lower, they call it a simple switch where it's a very low documentation requirement to, um, to be able to just switch mortgages to try and reduce your repayments. Okay, well, that sounds like a great feature. Now, obviously, in terms of, uh, I guess, the whole scenario, uh, obviously, we're a real estate podcast. So in today's market, uh, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the last 12 months. Uh, people thought that house prices were going to drop. And some people thought they were going to drop quite significantly. The truth of the matter, uh, Steve, as we all know, is over the last six months, house prices have consistently gone up, risen. They, they're definitely not dropping. They're actually going up. So for people who are currently in the market, okay, who potentially may be feeling that that mortgage stress uh, based on the cost of living, for them, they do have options. So yeah. Simple Switch is one of them. Definitely. So there's, there is a simple switch. Um, the other options is, is if you are into any sort of financial difficulty, the best thing you can do is, is call your bank. Um, so we recently had a, had a client that um, the, the, the wife lost a job, so she got made redundant. Um, so they were drawn down to one income where they got the loan based on two income. So um, they reached out to us. We sort of reached out to the bank on their behalf and then were they sort of spoken to their, the financial hardship team. So similar to COVID where we saw a lot of people do repayment pauses. Banks are still offering repayment pauses if you're in any sort of financial difficulty um, or they'll put you into financial hardship where they'll just maybe just just charge just interest during that period of time. So there's there's definitely avenues available there for, for most people. Um, and once you come out of that financial difficulty, so you've got the job back and we're starting to make repayments again, um, if you're not happy with the interest rate or anything along those lines that you're getting with that bank, you can refinance across to other lenders at that point in time because you've now explained to the bank essentially why there was a discrepancy. Um, you haven't I guess, damage your credit score too badly because you're not missing any repayments. You're just not making those repayments. So um, it's a big, big factor that can come into so consideration. For someone who doesn't have a loan, 
repayment pause is probably a term that they've never heard of before. Um, and even some people who've got a loan, they've never needed in the past, so they're not aware that there is a, a, a capacity to get something like that. So a repayment pause is effectively, you would have a monthly payment, and over a period of time, whether it be three months or six months, the bank says you don't have to make a repayment at all. At all, no. Okay, so that gives you potentially anywhere between three and six months. What's the normal term the bank would offer you? I guess depending on the, the circumstances, um, most, like if it was a home loan, a lot of them would do six months. Um, but most of the time they'll offer a three month upfront because I guess people can sort of, if they didn't have any mortgage repayments for three months, they can generally get back onto their feet pretty quickly from there once they've found the job. But if you haven't found a new job and, and you're still sort of struggling financially, call up the bank and they'll extend it. All right, so let's say, for example, someone had a, just a, what's the standard mortgage today? What's the, the average mortgage in Australia? It's about half a million. So, so we've got a $500,000 loan. Okay, the repayments on that in today's climate would be roughly? Uh, probably close to about $3,800 a month. $3,800 a month. So if you could get a pause of six months, you're going to save twenty grand plus where you get a chance to effectively breathe. Yeah. That's it. And that's what we saw a lot of people have during COVID. So, um, you know, there was mass redundancies um, going out. Friends of mine that, that worked in, in car dealerships and anyone that was on probation basically got, got made redundant then and there. Um, you know, those people could, you know, they got a letter from their, their employer saying that they have been made redundant. Um, so you call up your bank just going, yep, this is what's happened. And that's what they've actually got departments for that specific reason of, of of making sure that anybody that's that's finding it financially difficult um, can just reach out. So I guess that's where you know everyone sort of waited for all these people to, to go off two percent from you know, up to six percent and go. All right, there's going to be this market crash because everyone's going to be struggling to make these repayments. Um, but anybody that was struggling to make repayments, they just call the bank and you essentially can get some relief that way until you can get back on your feet. Right. Okay. Well, look. I guess to summarise all the things that we're saying, uh, in this current climate where we do have increased cost of living expenses with fuel and all the things that are going on in today's society, you've got, you've got some options. So whether you're looking to get into the market, we've hopefully explained to you how you make sure you're going to be attractive as possible to the bank Definitely. To, to either get your your first initial loan or if you're in the market already and you're you're an existing homeowner okay you've got some financially financial difficulties based on the cost of living there is an option there for you too so it's not so much that you're getting fit but you get, you're getting an opportunity to have a break that's it we're effectively saying hey look this is overwhelming me i'm really really struggling to to, to meet these repayments you know, you can talk to your bank about how you can get some sort of a breathing space. Okay, so hopefully that's really, really positive for the people out there. Uh, we hope that helps you. Uh, obviously, uh, we're very lucky to have access to Steve Beach from Stanford Financial. Thanks so much as always, mate. I, I'm sure the people at home are probably loving the content and, and the fact that, like, this is stuff that most people just don't know. So... Definitely, and, and it's like anything, I guess, you know, everyone has mastery of their, their, their own destiny. So I guess I've done finance for now for over 20 years. So um, ultimately, I live and breathe it. But if you tried to pop a hood of a car and get me to look at an engine, I'd have no clue what to do. So it's exactly. always nice to um, to be able to, to reach out. And, and again, like we, I always said, everybody is, is, is just get on the phone and, and talk to uh, most brokers are, are more than happy to have a quick chat, um, you know, give some guidance and some recommendations moving forward in regards to um, how to to get 
financially fit or essentially work on pre-approvals or what the next stages are. So we've got clients that we spoke to 12 months ago that are on repayment plans to save up enough money to be able to afford houses, um, other clients that are paying down debts to get ready. So there's so many different avenues and ways where it's not just, all right, I now have a deposit, I have income, I have this, and now I'm gonna go for a home loan reach out early and, and, and talk to, to your brokers and they'll give you that advice on how long, it, you know, it may be six weeks, six months um, before you can get a home loan. But, you know, there's always a, a, an avenue available. All right. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Steve. I really, really appreciate your feedback. Once again, uh, obviously, I hope you've enjoyed the content. If you'd like to see more of what we're talking about on the couch with Steve, please reach out, leave a review on the link below. Ask us any questions you'd like. Uh, if you'd like to see more of our content, uh, tune in and uh, we'll see you on the couch with Steve real soon.